number of different ways this could be talked about in terms of so it's not too abstract. So what one of the ones came to mind is moving to a community, I mean an area where there is uh whether people are doing the same thing that you're doing. And I don't mean because they're they come to meetings like this or they're paranoid aware. Right. I mean because they've always been doing it. They haven't actually forgotten how to live that way. So that's where I'm at now is in Galicia. There's, there's still hundreds and hundreds of tiny villages. People aren't self-sufficient, but at least they are still living that more or less that simple lifestyle. And then that itself extends to this. That's a residue of something that goes back thousands of years. So, so our ancestors were doing that. The thing that Richard's saying he thinks that he couldn't do and that all of us feel, uh, I don't know if we could re really get together enough to do that uh all of our ancestors were doing it for for uh you know thousands of years and dozens of generations before us uh so all of that kind of intentional energy and orientation is it's already established it's like a group as compared to the satanic culture, which seems extremely established because it's very proficient technologically. Well, if you think about the last three years of COVID, the kind of grooves that were created in such a very short period of time that people just got sucked into them and they actually weren't even thinking coherently or logically anymore and you couldn't get reasons for why they were doing them. They were just walking and marching in lockstep towards something and saying, of course I'm doing it, everyone else is doing it, why aren't you doing it? It was basically the only answer, everyone else is doing it, why the hell aren't you doing it? So those kind of, those kind of groups have become visibly powerful now, but they're, uh, they're actually not that well established. I mean, they're not, they don't have a tradition behind them, there isn't a tradition of you know, using fake vaccines to control people's minds, bodies and split up families and all that. There's no tradition behind that. There's a, there's a strategy that's been ad adapting over thousands of years. I'm not saying that there isn't something equally ancient and malevolent here, but it's not, it's not actually comparable, really, uh, in terms of its kind of rootedness in reality. That's the very thing that makes it malevolent and pernicious. It's, it's, it's like something foreign that doesn't even come from here, doesn't even understand human beings trying to infiltrate and control and take over and possess. And it's got this very insidious intelligence uh, to do so, but it doesn't have any um, Well, I'm back to the, the tradition, really. It doesn't, you know, it's trickery. It's got to use this trickery. It's got to cast a spell to, to get us to open the door and say, come on in, come on in, doctor. Like the vampire needs to get the invitation and then it's in and then that's it. You know, once it's teeter in your neck, it's too late to say, oh, I think this is a bad idea. Um, I was, went off on that tangent there, but it, was, it did start out positive. Listen to the wind and my friend you will then understand she depends on the ocean. Mama once told me that Papa wouldn't hold me cause he 
Well, this is it. This is the Limitless number 300, the last in a long-running series. It's taken me almost a year to get from 299.5 to 300. Just been waiting for the right moment and the right content, and the two things seem to more or less coincided. The content is a recording of recent meeting online on Saturday the 1st of July 2023 with a number of interested participants, uh, registrants, readers, listeners uh, who wanted to know more about the move that I have made in the last two years from living in urban town society to living in the country in Galicia, Spain and making moves, baby steps really uh, to self-sufficiency with chickens and goats and carpentry and vegetables and things of that kind and uh, this is an ongoing project as I recently newslettered about we are currently working on finishing a small house which could be a transitional house a halfway house for people who do want to follow our example and make a move they could uh, contact me and arrange to come and stay here for a period while they look for a more permanent residence. Now is the time. Europe is burning and the rest of the Western world along with it. And uh, well, everything's going as prophesied uh, to hell in a handbasket. Don't take the mark of the beast. Just extract yourself while you still can. That's the message of this podcast. And the timing, as I say, was also... Um, equally fitting really this weekend July 1st uh, my graduation from the Ashana School of Hard Knocks it's a major development and uh, I thought I would mark that historically in time with this last Limitless podcast Well, based on, on conversations that you and I have had, had privately, um, I'd, coming to this point in, in my life where I'm, I'm finally admitting to myself that, I mean, since very early childhood and my upbringing and experience as a child and, and things that happened that I've been really living in a fantasy world kind of fueled by, you know, television, movies, being on the screen. And so for me right now, I've been focusing as much as I can on getting off the screen as much as possible out of that fantasy world and being more in, I guess what I'd call the natural world, just being outside, being looking at trees rather than looking at a, at a computer screen or a phone screen. And there are a lot of things that I'm dealing with right now in, in my personal life, um, where 
I feel like in a lot of ways, the, the life that I've been leading up to this point has been really programmed and I'm just starting to, to get in touch with an actual authentic self that, uh, has never really been comfortable in this world, but hasn't really been able to express that. I mean, I knew from a very early age that I was never going to get married and raise a family based on my own individual experiences, but also in the fact, recognizing that this world is just, I mean, quite literally a, a hell and not coming into contact with people who really felt the same way I did and constantly second guessing myself thinking, well, there's must be something wrong with me. I'm not seeing the world, the good world as, as it is, or, uh, everybody else must be fine, but I'm the more, particularly in the last three to four years, I, I find that a lot of what I thought to be true is actually true. It's just becoming more and more obvious. And I think even people who have generally found the world to be livable are also starting to, to second guess this supposed reality that we're living in. Um, that everybody, you know, the consensus is that we're living in a normal world. And if you don't agree with that, there must be something wrong with you. And I, I think what I'm, I'm trying to find in this group is some point of contact with other people who recognize that there is something very wrong with this world that we're living in and trying to figure out what that is and then trying to extract ourselves from that fantasy into what is actually real. Um, and that's what I'm hoping to, to get here. Right. So there's a number of questions to the two that are staying in mind is, are we in hell and what does that mean to be in hell and how do we get out more importantly? Uh, do we need to get out? perhaps should be the first question because if you don't know why you're in hell it might be premature to say hey i need out because who put you in hell this right that's part of the why but if you if you're a religious person you might say well if it's hell even if it's hell on earth rather than some metaphysical hell still if i'm going to call it hell that's a religious perspective it's only sinners who are supposed to go to hell maybe i'm a sinner and god put me here in which case, do you want to do you want to second guess God? Do you want to defy God and say, I'm not supposed to be here, God? I didn't do anything. That's probably not true, even if you don't you know, go all the way to the totally religious and you know, I'm in hell because God put me here. If you're in hell, you probably did something to get here. You don't have to go to you did something wrong and you were punished, but you did something wrong to end up in hell. Just as if you end up in Harlem, Harlem at three in the morning, getting robbed by, you know, a bunch of crackheads. You know that you've made a few mistakes along the way to end up there. And you can't just say, well, right? it was just bad luck. Um, there is bad luck, too. But this is more than that, clearly. 
can we, we can all agree that we we've somehow and and the nature of the the hell that we appear to agree that we're trapped in well it's been in, hinted a little bit here anyway is is that we are somehow invested in the the uh attractions that hell offers somebody compared it to culture so we, we look at all those books behind me you know we've 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 we've, we've been lured into a, a trap by the cheese in the trap uh, and the cheese to some extent keeps us in the trap more than the trap itself because we're just so busy eating the cheese and we don't want us to give up the cheese so we stay in the trap it could be that we're not even trapped it's just that we don't want to leave that's a spiritual perspective that sometimes comes up um so that's the first thing i didn't actually get to the second thing that came to me but um i will now i mean there's because i think there's more around this whole question but uh the, the the desire of connecting to other people so you could think of this metaphorically is that you're, you're in you're in prison you're in a very large prison which you mistook for the world like in the Truman Show but you have figured out that you're in prison so then you want to know how to get out even though you don't know what's on the outside if you're pretty sure it's a prison or more than pretty sure you want to get out regardless of what's on the outside because you really you're going to take a chance you can figure well if this is a prison i'm going to just presume or guess that what's outside the prison is better than what's inside because at least it's freedom right so then uh a, lo a logical step along with trying to figure out how to escape or maybe inseparable from it is you you try and find other people who know they're in a prison and, and find out if they've got any ideas about how to escape or maybe there's even a plan going on an escape plot that you can actually get in on uh and you know, the analogy here that comes to mind is the kind of prison that we're in is a prison of illusion as somebody suggested uh that the world as we perceive it and even reality as we perceive it although nature is is somehow more uh honest in its interactions that's why i refer to the law of matter that there's a kind of honesty and frankness and, and uh, consistency about matter and nature that you won't find in culture and interacting with human beings. Like human beings are not like animals in this sense that they constantly change their story, they lie, they hide, they conceal, they fantasize, they, they are delusional, they manipulate to get what they want. You don't get straight interactions, generally speaking, with people. And then that goes double for the whole culture that people have created. Uh, either actively or just passively through their complicity. So that's us also. We've co-created this culture. Um, I forgot what I was saying that now. Um, had to do with oh, the nature of the prison being that it's there's something illusory and shifty about it. Uh, and nature, on the other hand, is not shifty. Nature basically just does what... Uh, it always does and if you try and get around it you just end up bashing your head against the brick wall or crushing your thumb with a hammer or whatever it is i was trying something today that uh, build it, rebuilding the oreo which is for storing grain and the piece of wood i cut was too, was slightly too long and i didn't want to go down the ladder to cut it again so i was just determined to get it in 
and and I spent longer than it would have taken to go down the ladder, cut it, and come back. But I just and I was aware what I was doing, and that it, it almost certainly because of the law of matter, I'd end up using more time and energy doing it this way. But I just couldn't stop myself. I'm just I'm going to do this. I'm going to find out, and uh, I eventually did it. It's funny because it wouldn't go in. Uh, so that it was the same level as the other thing. But then when I, I finally managed to convince the law, of, you know, to to defy the law of matter, it's not really, but to just, you know, fight with the law of matter that I adjusted matter physically by breaking stuff, that it went in, it went, and then it went under the other thing. So now it was too low and I had to get it back out. So this is just an example. Like you, you can't fuck around with matter. You can make it do what you want, eventually because of course you can break shit or you can cut it or you oil it or whatever but you can't just go abracadabra and you can't just say i want this now right and just use brute force for example or other methods of more sophisticated uh it's not gonna budge and um until you you know obey the laws that make it budge and I enjoy this. I, the main thing I was thinking is just just keep enjoying the experience. As long as you're enjoying the experience, it doesn't matter if it takes longer. What's the difference, really? Maybe there is an advantage in not going up and down the ladder. Maybe I would have cut my finger off if I'd done the saw. Right? The, maybe this is the right way. It's not just stubbornness. But I'll never. I, you know, that's not really relevant. You, you, you just make a choice. And I was curious. Was the main thing. Like, can I get it in? Um, and so that was the spirit that I proceeded rather than getting more and more angry with matter, you know, because I could have fallen off the ladder if I'd lost my focus. Like matter, as it's, to repeat, does not fuck around. And if you really push too hard against matter, it will push back. Never mind nuclear bombs or something. That's, you know, that's going into whole areas that none of us are ever going to go into. I'll read that in a second. Um, uh, but... It's just, you know, ordinary stuff. If you push too hard against matter, that means you've really lost your cool and you started to panic or give in to emotions too much and um, you'll have an accident and you can die. Like the thing I was doing today, I could have died if I'd, if I'd you know, got carried away by something. Um, but that's, that's reality. You know, that's material reality and it's... I say I was enjoying it. it. It is a pleasure and an opportunity to become more embodied, more in the world, in the larger sense, not society, more in ex, you know, physical existence uh, by struggling with material reality. I mean, you, you can't build things without struggling. You can't farm without struggling. It's all it's all a struggle, existing, surviving for the body at a physical level. But the thing I wanted to get to that I thought could be a rich vein here to explore. Um, and and is about the theme, is the theme spirit and matter. Uh, I'm going to actually pause, it, it's that. I just say that and I'm going to pause because I want to read what Michael wrote. Um, that there are levels. And, and this occurred to me while I was up there. Um, that there's a point of view of the body and the physical and then there's a point of view of the soul. So I'll just bookmark mark it marked out somebody's already read it they jumped ahead so then they don't need me to read it aloud but uh, the question is how do i 
there it is. Uh, Michael said, uh, I've never felt comfortable in the society and the good guy, bad guy thing tires me and it gets worse every day. The Kubrickon really cemented the idea that there are no heroes here. It does seem like a trap. We're certainly drawn here, so maybe I don't have a real answer as to why I'm here. I'm exhausted by the binary good, bad memescape that simplifies everything, keeps us secluded from life. Right, okay. Right, so binaries, good and evil, the Garden of Eden. Like, this, we have this myth that that's the original trap, the original wound, was we got tempted by some anti-life, anti-human, anti-God element, satanic element. We got tempted into consuming something or exposing ourselves to something that was toxic. Maybe it wasn't bad in and of itself, knowledge, but... It was either too much of it or too soon or something. And and so knowledge of good and evil, so-called, became the fall or was the instrument of the fall. Premature knowledge of good and evil or maybe false knowledge. I don't, I don't know exactly. But so that's a binary. You could say that's the beginning of the binary system that, that, that traps us. Is this good guy, bad guy thing. It's constantly separating things out into good and evil. Uh, but in a particular way, let's say, because there's a way to separate into good and evil that isn't a trap, uh, which is absolutely necessary. And in fact, there's a kind of contradiction or paradox in not necessarily what Michael wrote, but what he's raised there, because he's saying there are no heroes and this binary system's a trap and he wants out of the trap, so, but he's creating another binary system there, as in there's the binary system that's all illusory and it's trap, and then there's this, right, what he's looking for. So that, and potentially that is the second matrix, like if he's not careful, uh, I mean, I think he's already kind of made it to the second matrix, and that's why he's saying I've had enough, really. So, but if you're thinking, well, the first matrix wasn't good, and now I, shit, I thought I was out, but it turned out I was in a more sophisticated kind of illusion trap. I just want out of all of it. Uh, what is that? I mean, you, you could end up going to Advaita and non-dualism, but that, in my view, that's part of the second matrix too. All of these belief systems are, um, but I'm, I'm trying to present one, even though it it obviously can be turned into a belief system because it, if it comes in language and it can become formalized and so on, but, but that, that isn't that. That is experiential and very, very simple. And it is the binary system of spirit and matter, so there's nothing original about it. But, but you know, what is that experientially, or the soul and the body? What is that uh, experientially? Um, but first of all, like just offering it up or presenting it, that that's the original binary system that's true and it's wholesome and good. And it's not good and evil. The soul isn't good and the body bad. They're both, they're both good. Something coming between them is bad. And something coming between them then turns a natural duality, which is male and female also, into an unnatural one, a disharmonious one, in which you know, one side thinks the other is evil and it's good, and the other side thinks it's good and the other's evil. And, and so, yeah. But neither are really perceiving the other. And so if you imagine that in terms of the soul and the body, like the body is experiencing uh, reality without the input of the soul, uh, and so it's experiencing reality as hostile and against it because it's not in harmony with its own nature. 
but uh, also the soul is disconnected from the body. Oh, and also I want to say, if it has a sense of the soul, then the body, kind of the mind really, but the mind is part of the body in this model, because um, it's a lower mind, uh, is experiencing the soul as something threatening and, 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 and malevolent or destructive, because it, it will completely upturn the reality of the body-mind. Uh, and then but from the point of view of the soul, I mean, this is a bit complicated, but if the soul isn't embodied, the soul can't really experience itself at all, actually. Um, so, it, so, but insofar as the soul experiences itself as one with everything, um, and it's disconnected from the body, um, and, and it's trying to come into the body, uh, this is really difficult to talk about, but at least our experience might be that we experience the body as a trap. We experience the body as something evil. This is Gnosticism. And we experience the more our soul gets close, the closer the soul I guess to the body, the more we would experience the awakening of the awareness of the body and the more painful the body might seem. So then the body seems like a bad thing. Anyway, that was all improvised, but it, it seems coherent to me. Uh, actually, what I wanted to get to was back back on the or or the Oreo or Auraria, whatever you don't even know. It's a Spanish word. I'll I'll show you. Maybe you can see it. You see that thing that has the roof. And you can't very really see it very clearly, but what it is, it's the thing for storing grain. Um, cannot serve both God and Mammon. Uh, that they have all the old houses have here and uh, we just store stuff in it but anyway i was picked i'm fixing it up so the roof is, doesn't leak and um eventually we may store grain in it but right now we've just got lots of stuff to store so that we can free up some a room in the house uh so yeah, i want to get back up there when i was wrestling with the law of matter I was thinking more about this, you know, how ma what I just said, the matter is just completely immovable. It doesn't, not even a micromillimeter can, is, is going to change just because you want it to. Like that, that's the, the thing that makes matter matter. I feel like I could say more here, but I'm not sure what it is, but there's, there's definitely an interesting thing here because you know, Satan is the prince of matter and this rigidity and we could think of the body and death like it's, it's a dominion that uh, it seems like there's no escape from because right? it's, it's just set in stone almost literally and yeah and yeah
I was thinking about, I was remembering, I did an interview yesterday and I talked about this, but a, a couple of nights ago I was in bed with my wife and we were both commenting that it was daylight at half past 10 and I was saying last year it wasn't this light this late. I swear it because I'm a world traveler. I've traveled all over the world and besides Finland, uh, which I never lived in Finland, I've never lived anywhere where it's it's bright full daylight at 1030 because it bothers me. So, but did the did the earth shift on its axis and that you know the whole of you know the natural cycles of the day and night and the sun change by an hour or two in the period of one year and we didn't hear about it i don't think so like this is not people talk about the mandela effect where reality changes and nobody notices or just a few people notice um but everyone else you talk to says no it's always been like that whatever it is Examples are usually quite silly and trivial, but if you have had the experience, it's very disconcerting. You're like, I swear in that movie, the, the girl in Moonraker had braces on her teeth when she smiled at Jaws, and now in the version, she's got no braces. That was the whole joke in the movie. I mean, I'm giving you an example, but if you've ever seen Moonraker, Jaws with the metal teeth and there's a girl he falls in love with who's a goofy girl and she had braces when I saw the movie as a teenager but she doesn't now so I mean really trivial examples but the example uh, I I am um, I'm talking about was not trivial and I'm not going to interesting I wasn't then and I'm not now going to you know insist on I swear, you know, this is something weird is going on. But where I ended up anyway with my wife was, well, weird stuff does happen. And really, although I'm all into the law of matter and I, you know, what I've been talking about, um, that doesn't change the fact that essentially I've never lost the sense in my life that reality in a, in a larger sense even than it's not really more than physical reality, but it's certainly more than just material objects. It's, it's just kind of the whole of existence, which I mean, you could say, well, if there are objects, what are them? Right? Even people are objects, but hopefully you can kind of tease out the nuance of the difference. Um, it's kind of like perception. I'm really sort of talking about perception, our perceived experience of reality. I've never lost the sense that, that it's not real, that my experience of reality is fundamentally unreal because I had it as a kid and I couldn't shake it and it, it oppressed me. And then as a teenager and as an adult, I just learned to put, push it down, push my awareness away from it. And then when I became a spiritual seeker in quotes, I was like, oh, what was that? And, and then as psychedelic experiences, I, I rediscovered it and uh, and, and I realized, oh, oh, this actually is the essential nature of the experience of consciousness is that uh, none of this is real. All there is is consciousness. I mean, you find lots of books will say that, but, but how do you fully experience it? Well, there's a number of different ways you might, but the way that I want to focus is on is, is what I just said. Nothing is really real. Um, you know, like empirically real in the way that we think of it is. It's, it's a subjective temporal experience of consciousness in time, in the physical. Uh, and, and yet, 
well, two things, and maybe they're inseparable, but because the consciousness that's experiencing the physical uh, is not limited or defined by the physical, uh, uh, it's everything it's experiencing is just passing. Like if we're talking about eternal consciousness, then everything that happens is just a it's just chimera because it's gone. It happens and it's gone. This eternal consciousness is just unchanging. And so compared to a consciousness that's eternal, it's not just that things are moving really fast. It's just that none of it's ever happened at all because in eternity, it's gone. It doesn't last. It's, a, it's very philosophical. I'm just trying to give a sense of this. And the other aspect to this is, is that it's subjective. Like whatever experiences consciousness happens to be zeroing in on in order to have a temporal experience, they're entirely subjective because other things are happening all over the existence to other subjects. So, so there is something that's experientially possible that's been co-opted and corrupted as, you know, what the bleep do you know? And you can create your own reality and the law of attraction and all these crap systems that you know about, and even synchromysticism, for example. And just, it's all, you know, being co-opted by the second matrix with this idea or the idea that you're in a simulation. And the simplest way to uh, expose the fraudulence of, of this is to just stay on the simulation and just say something really simple, is that if you believe you're in a simulation and you think you, you're gonna, 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 gonna get it out, that was really interesting, that glitch. I'm not sure what happened, but it did. Uh, I actually couldn't get past the word gonna. Uh, I, get, I gave you a glitch in the matrix. I don't know. You could, some of you might have even thought it was the technology. With <laughs> um, Anyway, it was weird. Uh, if you think you're going to get out, who's the you that's going to get out? Like, wh why, would, why would you think, if you think that reality is a simulation, that you're, you're real? Like, where's the logic in it? There's no logic at all. If you're, if you're trying, to, trying to tell yourself or going into that model, there's no basis for then saying that you're real, except that you're conscious of something. But, but being conscious doesn't exactly make you real. Like, you can be asleep and dreaming, uh, and, you know, where's the I in that? You might be dreaming about a whole bunch of people and doing things, and you're not in that dream. You might experience that as dreaming that you're someone else, but there might not be a subject at all. You might just be watching like a movie and so on. So all of this, I think, is a bit a bit too abstract for my taste. Um, but I think the underlying point, well, the point was to juxtapose the law of matter with the law of the soul, if you will, or the reality of the soul or of consciousness, which which does transcend the law of matter, which isn't restricted by it. I'm not saying it can change matter at will, although I suppose it could go there, but I'm saying that that's, that's, that's the trap, or the second matrix trap is to then go to that. Uh, just that, what am I saying, if not that? But it has something to do with because we have an imaginary self that's perceiving the physical world, then the physical world we perceive is, is imaginary. And so 
it can shift and morph and stuff because you, this imaginary self, can shift and morph. Like you could, let's use a simple example. If you have dissociative identity disorder, and you do, because we all do in this model, the fragmented psyche, uh, you can shift from one subpersonality to another, and that's a change of reality. So you could, uh, you could be in one personality and let's call him personality A, and you put your credit card on the, ta you know, the table outside, uh, next to the front door, then you shift to, credit, uh, to personality B, and you see your credit card and you think, hmm, I, I need to save money. I'm going I'm to put this in my drawer upstairs so I'm not tempted. And so you go upstairs in personality B and you put it in your drawer. And then you're busy doing stuff. And then you shift the personality back to personality A, and you're like, I'm going to go and buy some shit. And you go for your credit card and it's gone. And you're like, what the hell? I know I put it there. And you look everywhere and you're cursing and binding and bloody fairies. What have they done with it? Or it teleported or I swear to God. Uh, and eventually you find it in the drawer and you say, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that I didn't put it in that drawer. Something weird is going on. And something weird is going on. But the weird thing is, is that you're fragmented. And you're shifting personalities. So that's not literal teleportation or, you know, transubstantiation or whatever the, the other fancy words. Um, but it might as well be to you, let's say. But anyway, that's just one example. There are others. And, um, you know, it depends how far you want to take that. Because I'm not doing material reductionism. I'm not saying that in this weird spectrum of shifting perceptions and imaginary senses of selves, it couldn't be that we've got it all wrong, really, about matter. And stuff does just jump around in space-time. Why not? Right? It's just that that's, it would be premature to go there. Uh, I mean, with the sunset, with the sunrise, I can't put that. Well, I can. I could just say that... Uh, it's tricky. I don't want to get stuck too much on the details. Um, I was on my way to, to something else, but now I've forgotten what it was. Oh, yeah. Matter. Physical matter. So, uh, although you have an imaginary self in this model I'm trying to put together, it's just a temporary model, don't worry, but it's for you, you know, so you get your bang for your buck, something you can take away. Um, your sense of who you are is imaginary and therefore existence is imaginary and the culture is particularly hooked into these imaginary selves that create fictions because that's what imaginary selves do they want to create fictions that make them feel real it's like an addiction or a need and uh, it's, uh, but it's also a vicious circle like the more dissociated people are the more they create dissociated forms of distraction and entertainment the more dissociated they get and it's, it's just right, it snowballs until you end up with a cult in you know, a metaverse culture where there actually is no physical reality created by people who don't believe in physical reality like Elon Musk or, transhumanist types. Uh, so that's that's the way not to go. The physical body, however, and there might be a kind of contradiction in this, but I'm what I'm saying is there is an objective reality that corresponds with the physical body in nature. I mean, anyone who's dug into the transgender thing knows that you absolutely have to, you have to maintain 
sustain, you have to assert and affirm the polarity of the sexes and the existence of two different sexes. Because once you lose that, you're completely lost. Like you just can't make sense of anything. And of course, why would you try and give that up? Well, you have to be at least a little bit woke to really have an answer to that. Because if you're not a little bit woke, you're just like, well, I don't get the point. There's some people out there suffering who think that if they had their dicks cut off, they'd feel better. But I don't see that that's a reason to create a whole new philosophy or rationalization for it. Maybe a Matrix franchise. Right? That was done. But that you know, that was a delivery device. It was a blue pill painted red. And it's a great metaphor now for the whole damn thing. But... The reality of the sexes is you wouldn't be here. None of us would be here, so far as we understand it, without you know, mum and dad coming together and the penis going into the vagina. And it's just so basic that the only reason to mess with it uh, is that you think that you can be God and, and do better, essentially. That, that, that's the, the recipe for disaster that we can see in terms of... And which comes first, the philosophy or the, the technology? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's both. The philosophies are created to justify the creation of technology, but then when the technology is created, the justifications amp up for the use of the technology. So transgenders like that. There was, there was a sense that, oh, if we create this thing called transgender, there'll be a big market in surgery. But then there's also like, well, we want to develop these techniques and surgeries and te you know, whatever, because they have these other uses as well. It's military. It's all military based. Essentially, it's all weapon things to be weaponized. So then, well, let's let's keep feeding the philosophies and developing the philosophies because it creates the demand, and then and then we've got the thing to supply. So it's really it's not either or. They, they, they work together, the is and the ought, and the ought and the is, which for those who don't know, that means when something exists, the morality changes to say it's good just because it exists. And then as the morality changes, people want more of things like that thing, like pornography is obvious example. The more freely available it is, the more morality has to change, in quotes, otherwise everybody starts feeling like they're sinners. Obviously, you get a set consensus. If everyone's doing something, they're going to be investors in changing the moral codes that say that thing is, is wrong or bad. And I'm extending this to the whole of biological reality, essentially, that the more people want to escape their physical, their biological reality, their sexuality, the more these philosophies and the technological means to justify and achieve it will develop. Uh, so hence, back to the body, back to matter is the way out of hell. Because it's the hell of the mind, the hell created by the mind. And although physical reality in nature isn't, I don't think we could say it's benign. Essentially, the physical universe, I think it's fair to say what nihilism you know, somebody like Dawkins would say it's indifferent to you, the physical physical reality. That's that's the thing that makes it consistent. It's indifferent. It doesn't say, well, I like this guy who's trying to hammer this plank in, so I'm just going to, you know, shrink a little bit so he can get me in really easy. Like planks don't do that. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't be good planks if they did. 
uh, I mean, sorcerers can learn tricks and, and whatnot for making planks submit to their will. You can control the elementals and all this stuff. That's, all that stuff is probably real. Uh, but that's that's the, the same path I was talking about. Like what I'm talking about now in the world that's become, uh, collect, you know, almost evenly distributed is occultism and sorcery practices and principles right? sorcery occultism is is now become mainstream and people don't realize it like dawkins or sam harris they don't realize that they're occultists probably maybe they do actually because they're high enough level but and certainly your average trans person or trans advocate doesn't think of themselves as an occultist who is trying to enforce occultist principles but they are mind over matter in a, in a nutshell which reminds me of something i thought i might talk about today as well uh i did i did say i'm talking a lot partly for michael's benefit so he doesn't feel bad that his mic doesn't work mike's mic um but also all of this stuff is coming to me so so i just keep going with it and you know this is my my method if it's if anyone's interested it's like well i get a a thread of something and I could see the beginning so I picked it up but I can also see the end of the thread so I just keep conscious of the end and I get there as quickly as I can but all this other stuff keeps coming out okay oh there's that thread so I'm, I'm still trying to get just trying to get to the, the finishing point currently and just how long it takes it takes uh the, and if I you know sometimes I lose the thread like now uh, the the finishing point has to do with I mean because I haven't finished this point uh, why the observ observance and to a degree the submission to the obedience of the law of matter is the way out of hell and that, I think the thing that I haven't finished there is that the soul the the imaginary self wants freedom from matter but the soul, which is an extension to be simple of, well, infinite consciousness, also known as God, what that wants, I mean, the reason it created matter in the first place is to have an experience of individual temporal existence. And just keep it really simple. Right? You, can, you can say, well, why? But uh, we don't need to get there uh, yet. Yeah. I mean, I don't know is the answer. Um, and so the soul, this part of us that actually is from the eternal and potentially can return to the eternal with the experience of the temporal intact, uh, what it wants is an experience of matter and physicality. So how do you experience your soul? You allow yourself to become more and more fully cognizant of and observant of the, the, the definitions, the limitations the conditions of physical matter starting and ending with, with your own body every inch every millimeter every cell every atom of your body that was created by god to be a vehicle for god like that's not rocket science it's, it's so it's so simple that you say, well, how could it possibly go wrong? And yet it did. Which is why if we talk about God, uh, 
we have to talk about the other guy. You know, the, the pernicious, the infiltrant, the, the usurper that got in there. And this is where it becomes quite paradoxical because Satan, as I said a while ago, is known as the prince of matter. So matter is Satan's domain. In a certain sense, to to uh Well, to, to get past Satan, we have to surrender to Satan, is what I was going to say. In a certain sense, this is the paradox, at least in, I'm not stating that as an empirical fact, but, but, but if, we, if we use those terms in the context of what I've just said, that's what it sounds like, that's what it looks like. If you want to get free of Satan, you've actually got to surrender to Satan. And, and how I would, uh, I mean, an example I would give, to make it easier to get your head around is like a legal system. Like if you know a legal system exists, um, and you want to be free of it, you have to observe the law. Basically, that's just it. Right? You could become a rebel and an outlaw. Uh, I mean, this this is this is. I can see that this might confuse people because. But so what I make the distinction between like matter is Satan's realm, the society uh, that human beings have created as instruments of Satan is, is something else. That's the thing you want to escape. And in order to escape that, you have to actually go more fully into an experience of being in Satan's realm, which is matter, but it's also hell. Like it, it well, I mean, Jesus, everything dies, everything suffers, things feed on each other. It's a, we're, you're on a food chain. It's, it, nature is actually pretty hellish, but, but it's, it's also got all this other stuff too. It has a harmony to it. So you can see death and destruction in nature, but you can see that there's a justice to it, even if it's horrific. Because, and so I'd say, just to keep it simple, that Satan, although he can trick humans into doing all kinds of nasty, horrible shit, Satan himself has to observe divine law. There's no way out of it. How can he get out of it? He knows God exists. He'd have to be completely deluded to think that he could just do any shit he wants. Right? So, uh, anyway, this, I feel I've gone a bit abstract again. Uh, And I'm aware that somebody, Robert, particularly asked for practical stuff. Like, okay, so how, how is this practical? So I think I will try and sum up now to see you know, if, if we can open it up a bit. But uh, I don't know if I'll be able to. So, um, but what, yeah, what I'm trying to present here is, is that the practical solution, because I'm not somebody who does spiritual practices and I'm not somebody who's going to offer any here because I don't believe in spiritual practices and, and maybe it's in what I've said I think it is in what I've said because what I'm saying is you have a body that is part of nature and part of matter and all of it was created by God admittedly using Satan to, as an instrument to do so so there are these traps in it but still it is a map 
to the soul. The body itself is a map to the soul. And physical reality is itself uh, the way out of hell, you know, imaginary delusion into eternity. Um, I was just saying this. So, yeah, spirit, any sort of spiritual practices is an overlay on top of that. Like you're trying to add something to a system that actually is designed to help you. You know, like your body. And you say, if you think of yourself as separate from your body in some way as existing, as in some sense, you're more than just your body, which I'm saying you are. Uh, you have to acknowledge your body is there to help you. Well, you don't have to, you could be a transhumanist and say, I don't need a body, I want to just be consciousness. But what I'm saying is you are consciousness already, and the consciousness wants and needs a body. So if you're saying, I don't want a body, I just want to be consciousness, that's not you talking. That's something else that wants to use your body and get you out, vacated, so it can use the body. Um, anyway, but so practical, the practical uh, solution, and I have, still haven't got to other people because that was, yeah, that's why everybody's here, I think, to connect to other people in a way that is practically useful. Uh, but the practical that that you can do without other people. Uh, is what I've talked about today, and it doesn't mean you become a carpenter or you get be have bees or well, whatever you know. There's all kinds of things you could do and trades you could learn, uh, or to even doing sport or things like this. Anything whereby you're just constantly having to experience more your physical existence. This is why meditation and spiritual practices can can work they're in that same ballpark but the trouble with them is that they're spiritualized so the identity can really get hold of them and think oh i'm really doing something and and it can have effects where you go into other states uh that actually take you away from what you're going towards but um and there's a yeah there's a kind of grasping if you're doing a spiritual practice you're trying to get a result uh, and that's not your soul, I'd say, that's the identity. If I'm working on the land and on building stuff, I know it's helping my consciousness to get more grounded, more embodied, and therefore it's bringing my soul closer to landing in my body. But that's not the goal. The goal is to get the plank of wood in and the nails in and do a good job. It's a side effect. So this is very key. Like spiritual attainment should always be a side effect of just focusing on the matter at hand, facing reality and doing what needs to be done. So uh, so I think I have rounded up fairly well in terms of what I said in the newsletter that getting your stuff together in such a way that you can get out of a social uh, incarceration system and a military industrial medical totalitarian dictatorship which is rapidly unfolding you know, exposing its, its true malevolence under your feet and before your eyes making all of these steps um all of that will not only achieve if it's done 
sanely, intelligently, carefully, uh, intuitively, and so on, uh, not only will it get you closer to where you want to be physically for your well-being, I mean, first of all, you've got to survive, but you know, whichever, you know, comes first, you might actually just get some well-being and then a bit later you think, my God, I'm going to survive what's happening over there where I was two years ago, thank God for that, or whatever. Um, but it will also have the side effect of the things I've been talking about, of bringing your awareness more and more in, in tune with your soul nature. Because that's like you're doing what, what your soul needs the body to do in order to prepare a place for it to come into. Just as if you want to say, if you do want to meditate or you want to have bees or you want to do all kinds of things you are healthy and wholesome, you have to put yourself in the right place, in the right environment, surrounded by the right elements and the right people and the right opportunities, and then you can do the thing. So in the same way, uh, for the soul to come in and live in you, you also have to prepare the, the ground of the body for the soul. Uh, but you don't cut yourself open and fix things. You know, you don't go to a surgeon and say, "Hey, I want to, I want to be reformatted in this way." It's the things you, the way that you use your body in the world that changes the internal environment of the body, that thereby clears out the entities. I'm not really using that word too much anymore because I feel that I've gone far enough with it. But you know, the implants, the invasions, the toxins, clears that out more and more for, for your soul to come home. Right, well, I managed to get to a place where I can stop, thank God. Well, there's a blood
I guess it, my assumption is that based on everybody's particular experience that some people will be at a stage where they are at that point where they want to make, make a physical move somewhere else like Lawrence, which I think is part, I mean, it's part of my, I guess, ultimate goal. But as for where I am right now, I think for me, the step right now is reclaiming my, my body, which I used to think was, well, obvious that this is my body, but it's becoming clear to me, like through my own work that I'm doing personally, is that things were done to me to and through my body for a particular reason. You know, things were done to me, not just necessarily through the mind trying to convince me of things or a false reality, but actually doing things to me through the body, because I think there is at some level, you mentioned the occult and in, in the sense that I think there are people that do realize, even though we're led to believe that it's not true, that, that the body really is, I mean, essential to who I am. I mean, it, it is me. Um, and, and it seems like there have been, there's been a concerted effort to make me believe that um, I don't, that this body isn't mine and isn't me, therefore someone else can take it. Whereas what's most important is, is the mind, mind over matter, as you were saying earlier. And, but if that were true, then I feel like the, the aggression that was taken against me as a child and, and throughout my life would have been then just specifically through the mind, if the mind was the essential quality. But it, the more that I look at my own life, it has really been a war on my body to get at my soul and to convince me that there is nothing to the body, um, that really your identity and your core self is the mind. And so, I guess what, where I'm at right now is liberating my body from this, this, whatever it is and reclaiming it. And then as I'm doing that, I'm becoming more and more aware of this desire to be part of the natural world that I also feel like there's been an effort to pull me out of that too and say, no, you're separate from that. You're just an observer. And just something as simple as going for a walk um, without having headphones on or, or constantly looking at my phone like I see a lot of people doing. You know, I walk on the trails every day near where I live and I constantly see people who they're walking through this landscape and that just there's the phone or there, there are the headphones and and but there's all these natural sounds around you, the, the, the sounds of crickets and frogs and birds. And for some reason, I think a lot of us have been led to believe that that's fake, but the phone and the sounds and the images coming from the phone are real. And, and I don't know even where to begin. Like if I wanted to go live somewhere else and, and, be more in touch with the earth. I don't even know where I'd start. 
I mean, I, I have a difficulty even just talking about it, but it seems to me that I probably would have had a better understanding as a, as a young child because I would have had a direct connection where I would, would have needed to say less words than I'm saying now because I think I would have had a better understanding. And now I, I think what comes through all my words is a lack of, of, of an understanding of this actual physical, natural world that I'm a part of. So I don't, I don't even have the skills to go out and at best I could forage for berries that I know are edible. But other than that, I have no skill set at this point for surviving outside of this matrix of supermarkets and banks and, and gas stations and all this other stuff. And I think a fear comes up when it's like, well, I want to extract myself from that, but I don't know if I have the capability to do that because I've been so dependent on this system all of my life. So there's a, there's an awareness of my dependency, but then getting from that to an independency from it is I, it's a big void. I don't know how to get from that, from here to there in actual steps. Um, like yeah, Lawrence I, is talking about doing. Uh, yeah. No, well, we don't know what stage Lawrence is at. Maybe we can right. find out. Um, I think what Richard's describing there, and you mentioned fear, right? When I was thinking that well, this, this is part of, and Richard himself was saying the various tricks that have been played on him to believe things that he realizes are untrue now, uh, in terms of the body and the mind and so on. That this is one of those tricks. It's, it's, it's twofold. First of all, the trick of uh, making him think that he couldn't survive in nature, that he just doesn't have what it takes, um, when in fact, in a certain sense, of course, he's got instincts. So the, it's instincts that are going to uh, come to any of our rescue if we are put in a situation where we need to survive. Now, obviously, an extreme situation, most of us would die. There was a movie called The Edge that uh, was written by David Mamet, and uh, it had this line in it, which is, it was a survivalist guy, and he said, you know what people die of in the wilderness? Uh, if they can't make it, they die of shame. And the point was is that when people find that they, they don't have the resources they thought they had, or they find, you know, they find out how limited their resources are. They're so ashamed that they give up and they implode. And then of course they die because they don't do even the most rudimentary things to survive. Now it doesn't mean they would survive if they did those things, but it means they definitely won't survive if they don't at least try. And so I'm extending this to Michael's thing that there's a trick that, not Michael, sorry, Richard, there's a trick that makes us, um, already ashamed of our lack of resources, imagining, doing the thought experiment. Uh, but the other trick, I think, is probably easier for people to grasp because most people, including myself, probably feel the same way as Richard. I wouldn't know what the hell to do if I actually had to survive in, in the wild. So the other trick that's easier to see is a trick and 
and then neutralize it is is thinking that you have to go from zero to a hundred in one step the rich is thinking well i'm completely dependent on the system now but my god i couldn't possibly just live self-sufficiently in nature so i'm i'm lost i'm hopeless i'm i'm, I'm pathetic there's no way i don't have the resource right but that's <clears throat> and it's not just i mean that's a trick that, that it's been played on you and, and then you're playing on yourselves to think if you can't do everything you can't do anything if you can't do it all you can't do any of it um but obviously you know that's not true and it's like you know the, a battle uh i can't remember what they say no a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step it's that thing um uh but this isn't just about the resource in terms of what like to accomplish self-sufficiency living on the land um, is, is a, a series of a very long series of steps. Uh, it's not simply that. I mean, it's more than that, more nuanced, because it's that <clears throat> to get right with nature, you don't have to live on the land. You don't even have to live in the country. And the reason is, even though that's obviously better, optimal, the reason is, is that everything is nature. Everything is a product of nature. Like all of the, the materials that used to create the world that is this prison, the world that's been pulled over your eyes to prevent you seeing what's true or whatever, um, that all of that comes from nature. The human beings who build it come from nature. Okay. Does the entities that are controlling all this and they seem to be anti-natural. So there is a reason why society is anti-life and anti-natural uh, and anti-nature, but it's still made out of natural stuff. It still is a part of nature, just as if you have a cancerous thing in your body, it's part of your body. And, and it has to actually obey the laws of the body, even to destroy the body. It's using the laws of the body against it to destroy the body, like it makes the body attack itself. It's a good analogy. Um, so what I was getting to in response to Richard is that he himself said it, even just taking a walk, like he can just take a walk every day. And even if he doesn't see a tree, he's he has the opportunity to be out in the physical world and observe and observe and observe and, and give his soul what it wants by using his body in a way that is more immersed in and engaged with physical reality and that so that's the spectrum i'm talking about it isn't just step one i'm going to find enough money to, to move step two i'm going to choose where to go there are steps before that probably for most of you some of you um because you're not even ready to think about moving yet and in my case um it began it did begin with moving but it began with moving from an apartment to a house and the house that I, we moved into was a crack house so it was a huge challenge which meant i had to really learn about how to uh, reform transform uh, rehabilitate something ugly and squalid and hellish into into a home so it's a great metaphor right Right? for doing good works in the world, but really with one's own body and, and therefore reforming the body as well. Um, and then the next thing that came, as some of you know, 
was was uh, taking on a thrift store, secondhand goods, and just organically, it just kind of fell in our lap. Like, okay, we need a source of income, so we took it on, and it became it became it became an opportunity to discover all of these things about the community, about myself, uh, about the laws of matter and of nature. Like if you're constantly taking people's junk uh, and having to sort it and sell it and get rid of the stuff you can't sell and trash the stuff that you can't even give away, um, you're constantly dealing with the reality of matter and the ability to become more consciously discerning. And, and then you're dealing with the human beings who are trying to fob that shit off on you or generously give it to you and then they're trying to buy it and they're trying to haggle and they're trying to shoplift and day after day hour after hour constantly engaged with existence at the most mundane level really pretty close to the most mundane and if you saw some of our clientele you you know what i mean it was an extension of the crack house analogy right we were trying to reform human beings at this point because they'd come in you know stoned out of their mind drooling saliva and either just stand there waiting to be moved or they would talk endlessly or they'd fill their bags full of stuff and would have to say look you don't have to steal you know you just ask we give this shit away because we get given it and so on and so forth like really an opportunity to be in the human race which i've always avoided at all costs anyway all of that was preparation for going back to the land so so it's a mistake to think it's only that it begins with actual steps towards uh the kind of self-sufficiency that Richard's talking about i don't even know if we'll ever get to that we, you know, we've got animals we've got vegetables um so we're in that direction, heading in that direction. We have neighbors who grow stuff and so on. We, we're in the place where that could happen even in five years if we, if we hustle. Uh, but we're not, we are hustling. We are not hustling. It's not a good word, but I meant move quickly. Um, we are doing a lot of stuff. But uh, as far as actually not needing the supermarket, uh, I don't know if we'll ever get there. I mean, I, I kind of presume we have to because I think there's going to be a famine coming in the next few years. But we're not running around panicking about that. It's just it's my wife, anyway, who's always saying that. So I, I couldn't say I exactly think that, but she thinks that, and I, I trust her judgment. Um, so, But I still don't know. I mean, I'm not funny because rich is where he's at and he's thinking about it. i think i could never do it and I, but but i'm closer to evaluating could we do it but i'm still not really thinking about it because it still seems too far too distant a goal really um but i don't have to is the point and all of this was organic um and it should be for you too but that doesn't mean that you can't be inspired by somebody else doing it because that's organic too and like more consciously move in that direction than i did you know, I, I it was more instinctive for me and you do need your instincts but you can also you know just logically say okay that's the direction i want to go in so i'm going to make a disciplined effort to move in that direction as long as you don't fall into the trap I think Richard is falling into of thinking uh, I can't actually 
imagine achieving that so I'm stuck rather than seeing that, that you're stuck because you're not doing the things that you could do right here and now in this moment that would get you closer to that goal but not necessarily in any obvious way just in terms of training your senses and your abilities to become more self-sufficient like i mean your relationships with your family and with other human beings all of that pertains to self-sufficiency many people can't even exist without uh seeing people every day they go nuts uh so even I mean, it might not be a problem for some people, solitude, in which case it's not something you need to develop. For me, it wasn't. For me, I had to develop actually being around people constantly. I had to develop that ability, even though here I don't. But it was still necessary to become a rounded human being because as Richard was saying, he is his body. He's his soul. Um, but this, as I said, the, soul, the, the body's made in the image of the soul. So... So yeah, his his individual identity until the soul fully lands is most represented by the body. Um, forgot why I was saying this now, but oh yeah, to be a rounded person means you need to have all of the ability, the natural abilities that the body has, including social ones. I guess I'll I'll jump in here because it's so quiet. <laughs> um, it's can you hear me okay? Just coming through. You can see us, right? We just gave yes. you some thumbs up. Yeah. yeah, okay. Just making sure that you can hear me. Okay, I know we've had some issues today. Yeah, we are, um, like, personally speaking, I'm, I'm just at this spot where we are trying to fix up the house we're in right now. We bought a fixer-upper. It's in a nice little suburb close to family. But we're to the point of trying to fix this up um, with the idea of selling it and and getting some land uh, somewhere that suits us more, like better. And, and it's just come through a lifetime. Of, like everybody here, there's this common theme running through everyone of, of uh, knowing that this is not where it doesn't feel right to us. And and if we're being, I think, more specific and more honest, it, it, it's, it hurts us. It hurts all of us. And it hurts everybody. And it's, it gets to where you can't can you can only condone that so much. I've spent forty four years of my life just sitting by and rolling with the punches. But I do think now that uh, sitting by and observing and doing nothing, it's just as bad as as feeding. It's just feeding this system that's not made for us. I keep saying that. And I know that that can take a lot of different metaphorical meanings, but it's just, you know, it's meant for they keep positions of power and power, not to get all paranoid sounding about it, but there is a certain paranoia in, in it as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's time to start stepping out of it. You know, I, I feel like I've talked about it for so long, but just a, there's a huge difference between saying something and doing something. So I think I'm finally getting ready to get into that doing something. What are the, what is holding you back, would you say? Oh, um, not knowing what to do. I think the same theme that's going through here, like how do we go about this and how do we uh, move into something that seems so counterintuitive to us, you know? 
Right. But, 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 I mean, because you, okay, so you, you know that things aren't optimal where you are. Right. But that's, that's it. You don't, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm sort of relating this to how it was for us. But the thing is, for us, it wasn't actually, we need to get out of Canada because this was pre, well, COVID had started, but we didn't have any particular reason to think it would be particularly bad in Canada. Mm. Um, so that wasn't motivating us. It was other things and it was just timing, really. And so it was more about, first of all, we wanted to be in Europe and then it was, we wanted to be on the land and stuff to have a place where we could live on the land. Um, so it was fairly simple because it was just, well, right. once you narrowed it down to Europe, you just start comparing climates and prices and all of that. Um, so, so I'm wondering why it's complicated for you because you even have, the, we didn't have a sense we need to leave Canada. We don't like it. Maybe that is what made it easier because we, it was more about going to something than getting oh, away right. from, from something. But on the other hand, if you're motivated to get away from something, how hard can it be to think about somewhere that you would like to go to? Yeah, that's true. That is true. But it's also, I do feel like there's a lot of fears that come up at these, especially in the times that, of not knowing and the mystery, you know, those, those creep up and you're like, oh, this is what I want to do. Because when I came upon all of this, it wasn't like, oh, this feels right to me. I found something that I want to pursue. This is something we've been actually pursuing in our own little way. We've got a nice garden, organic garden in the back. We're learning how to do that. We've got chickens. We're learning how to do these things. And, and we're building additions onto the house itself, which is why it takes so long. Because I, you know how that goes. <laughs> but um, right. But so I'm just... I guess now, I guess what's been holding me back is truly myself, and it. But I'm just to the part now where I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm just. It doesn't work for me. Like I know we've been talking personally, and and uh, you know I've had major life changes, at least in in certain ways of experiencing myself and the, and the world and stuff. So it's just maybe that's the catalyst I needed to stop, kind of. Oh, and it's well, it's just you and your partner, is it? Yeah, and our five and our six-year-old daughter. Okay, and so I think that's well. and and that's a major part of that. And, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, are you how in agreement are you with your partner about moving? Hundred percent. Oh, she's. It, it's. I think it was her idea before it was mine. Okay, so you're fully in agreement. Your child is young enough to not really be too involved in school stuff i'm thinking right. too attached to so it sounds seems like it wouldn't be too wrenching for your child uh what's the what's the thing that you don't want to be around where you are like you say you've got a garden and all that so what are the elements that you you feel are not suitable oh, right um well we live in in a in Georgia here in the United States and it's I don't it's it's like what's what we were brought up with and and kind of the uh, beliefs of the region are kind of have always been kind of backwards to me 
is it you know, a small town then or a village or what is oh, it? Oh, no, it was a small town. It started out as a small town, but now we're uh, right outside of Atlanta. So it's, it's, you know, 20, 30 years ago, small town. Now expanding. Uh, urban sprawl. Yeah. Okay, well, that's enough of an answer, an answer then, because you wouldn't, if you came to, if you went anywhere else, you wouldn't necessarily find like-minded people. Of course, like we didn't, we're not meeting like-minded people here in Galicia. We're not meeting anyone, <laughs> but, but that's not an issue. Um, so, I mean, there's two obvious things. One is the political structures that you're within and you know, the trajectory of that nation. And I don't want to get into that. I mean, I can right, express yeah. lots of theories and opinions about the US and why I don't think it's a good place to be. I would say the same about Australia, but and as I can say about Canada with some more authority, I suppose, although I wasn't there when the shit came down or hit the fan. But but it's, it's speculative, really. I mean, Australia is a very big place, and the US even has lots of places. Um, so, but then the second thing is, yeah, where I where would where are you located, or where could you be located, just in terms of your immediate environment? Um, so so can't, couldn't you start there in terms of what you? That's how we started. We made a list mm. of the things we wanted. Yeah, that sounds that sounds. Good. I think I've I've already been working on one this whole time. So <laughs> it's been very good, you know. Been feeling, well, that, but, no, but then I, I think I think you must be right that it's you that's holding you back because moving house or even moving country is not it's not a big deal like that. Really, you have to really be tricked by the system to somehow right. think think. Oh my God, this is so scary. I'm going to leave my country. I mean, okay, I, I shouldn't. I don't want to overstate it. Like when I was. I mean, I don't want to underestimate. There are emotional difficulties. Like when I was 20, after I read Castaneda, is that how young I was? No, I was older than that. I was 23 or 24. I, I moved to Mexico and, um, must have been, no, 22. Uh, and it was a one-way ticket. You know, I, I moved to Mexico and I was looking to look for a sorcerer. And when I got to Mexico, I checked into a hotel and I, I, I turned on the shower and I got in the shower and I just started bawling my head off. Like the feeling of actually having left everyone and everything behind just hit me. I just couldn't believe it. I was completely alone. But the next morning I was great. I'm like, wow, I'm going on an adventure. Right? So, I mean, there is, of course, there's a wrenching when you leave the known behind. But the fear of that is the thing that makes it seem much bigger and actually you know, what is it like when you actually do it? It's an emotional upheaval and you might do some grieving, but but that's it. I mean, what else is there? What else is the danger? I mean, or what else is, do you risk losing? You risk losing connections to human beings. I'm not saying that's a small thing, but you weigh it up. Um, and then the only other thing is you miss, you risk making a bad decision, right? But that's life, right? Yeah, if you have to make decisions, you have to make decisions. and. The bigger they are, the, the bigger the risk. To me, moving countries doesn't seem a big thing because I've done it for my whole life. I've constantly moved around. Uh, so that means I, I, you know, I'm an authority on it. And I can say it isn't a big thing. You might think it is, but it absolutely isn't. Uh, I mean, it's... I thought it's kind of what everybody wants. Everybody wants a new start, don't they?
subject, the context we're talking about here is the metaphor is escaping hell and this, people have affirmed it isn't only a metaphor to people here um, or even just escaping the prison and so if like as I said at the start if you know you're in a prison you're getting jam on your porridge and you, you, you do like the porridge and you, you know where your bed is you've got somewhere to sleep every night and you don't know what's on the outside of the prison so you can't in, in this metaphor, you can't do what I'm saying Lawrence did and what I did. Uh, you can't actually compare. Well, is it going to be easier on the outside or not? Uh, but in this context of that metaphor, and to some extent it is true, if you're going into the unknown, you don't know. I mean, I came to Spain first to check it out. We didn't just move here, obviously. Uh, I came once to check it out, then I moved here and spent months looking for a place and then even before I managed to find anywhere my wife moved here, but I'd done enough recon you know, that we did find somewhere soon after she got here. But there's three phases really because of the two of us. Um, well, what was the point about the prison break? Just, fact, just really that this isn't just about a new start because a new start, you could be looking for a geographical cure there. You, you know, think your life's better, going to be better in a different place. Well, why would it be necessarily? Um, although difference between urban and natural, obviously, is key. But it's not just a new start. It's acting on what you maybe know, which is, is that you're in an environment that is perhaps predominantly unhealthy and anti-life if you're in an urban environment that's highly cultured and you're surrounded by people as somebody here said today who basically believe in all kinds of illusions and even believe that you know the, well, the last three years who go around with masks and take things into their body that they don't know what they are and want you to do them right we haven't even got into that like the the, the terrorization or just the personal fear and anxiety that can be generated by being in a uh, society that's becoming more and more tyrannical isn't, as we've seen, it isn't just about the forces of law and order. It's about your neighbours and your friends and your family. They're going to come down on you. I mean, they have come down on, I presume, some people here. I didn't have any enough family for that to happen. The only family I had left were exactly in agreement with myself so um so i mean that in some sense that makes it easier to cut off connections it also makes it more imperative uh but you don't want to just run like a headless chicken you know just say i gotta get out you have to have some sense of what well, very clear practical sense of where you're going probably but also a sense of as i said it's that you know why why are you still in this system uh, why have you stayed so long even knowing that it's hellish how did you get here like understanding how you got here that's why i say that for me the renovations and the thrift store i had to become more firmly embedded in the world and face all of my resistances to being in the world before i was ready to start moving away from the world in quotes.
you know, what, what you've been saying is bringing up a real sticking point for me, because when you talk about working in the thrift store and all the people that you've met and just that mundane existence, you're, you're making connections with people. And my thing is that, you know, I have my difficulties with my family, but in work that I've done, you know, when I lived in New York City, say supporting people with developmental disabilities who really did, you know, it was simultaneously trying to teach them to be independent, but recognizing that they were fully dependent on the state to provide them with a lot of things. And so if I look at one of my reasons for trying to get out of the system is because I think the system is ultimately tyrannical and wants to destroy my soul. Uh, <laughs> how do I feel? All of these people, like if, if things were to really go down in this country in the, in the way that a lot of people talk about it on the internet and, and conspiracy realm and all of that, if, if that were to really happen, like a lot of the people that I've worked with in the past and supported would not survive that. I mean, they, if the system were to completely collapse under its own weight, that whole state system, they're likely to, to perish and people in my family and friends that I've known, you know, it's like I get out of the system and I miraculously make it somewhere. At what point does it hit me that my God, all these people that I've made connections with in the past, even family members that I've had real problems with. That's brutal. I mean, this, this idea that, you know, I want to escape prison, but generally when we think about prison, we're not in there with our family and friends. It's the, it's, it's like that movie, the Shawshank Redemption, where the guy's just trying to get out. He's not having to worry about kids and friends and family in the prison, except for his one friend. But it's, I think that's one thing that holds me back from trying to make this break is that what do I do about all these other people? And yes, it is a choice for them to stay. But on the other hand, I can't imagine that I wouldn't be affected by that in a lot of ways. Sure. But then the question surely is, you know, how are you helping them by staying? Because right, at the very least, if you are embodying an alternative and making moves and you still have, you'll still have connections with them, well, at least via the internet, you will, if there's still that, and telephones and stuff, but also, I mean, if you have a really, a real connection with them, that connection still exists, even when you're physically not together. Uh, but then, so then that, that's surely the best, if not the only way to at least potentially save those people. Because, I mean, if you find a way that is, works for you, they, they're going to know about it. It doesn't I mean you can't necessarily take them in, but maybe you can. But then it really would become a choice. Like they, you can say, look, I'm here and bad shit's coming down there. And they can say, no, it isn't. What do you mean? And uh, yeah, of course, that would be rough. But why would it be less rough if you were with them when the bombs were falling? When you actually could have done something to get out and, and you wouldn't even know, maybe you could have got them out. If you had got out, you'd never even know. So I'm not, I mean, you say it's a sticking point, but it sounds like another, another of those traps where it's almost like an excuse really, because of course it's going to be rough. Like right? there's no, 
what we're talking about here that that's not under discussion that's not under question it's going to it is rough it really is rough you can survive in this system and do everything it tells you to do and go along to get along and it's not going to go well for you so even if there's no famine or civil war you're still giving up your body to satanic corporations so it can use it as a landing pad for god only knows what So, I mean, there's always sticking points. The thing is, I mean, <clears throat> if you feel stuck, you, you want to get unstuck. And, and when you get, as you're getting unstuck, you can't let the sticking points stick you again, really. I mean, that, isn't that, isn't it just that? Like, it's fine to be aware of the sticking points but I mean maybe I'm missing something like do you have a proposed alternative Richard besides no I no I, I don't I mean I I think part of me has I've always suspected that there was a problem but now where it just seems so obvious and the suspicions that I've had for a very long long time I seem to be coming to pass, seem to be materializing. And I'm like, a part of me, I don't know. It's this weird thing where it's like, I'm getting, I'm like, I'm getting what I wished for, what I thought was really like, it's being revealed. And may, there's this part of me that's like, I wish it was just a fantasy because I don't want this to be a reality because the reality just seems so horrible. And it's like, we seem to be letting it happen and I want to get out of it. And I want everybody else to get out of it too. You know, I want, you know, like you were saying this last three or four years of complete nonsense. It's like, I, I just find it staggering that some people, a lot of people were like, what's the problem? What's, what's the big deal? And it's like, ah, Maybe we we exist in different realms. I this person doesn't see it. I do. Majority of people I come in contact with don't see it. They don't feel any need to to that that they're under any kind of attack. Um, they feel like everything's just fine. This is the way things are supposed to be, and. I don't know. You know, I can't, I can't give a direct answer of what it is that is this real struggle that I have with this in myself, knowing, knowing that things are wrong, but just wanting to still hot, you know, duck, duck. And it's not, I'm, that doesn't work anymore. Just, uh, it's just too real. It's too, out there now it's it's i think it doesn't this, this refers to or relates to rather and by the way i think everybody has this problem pretty much i mean if they unless they're completely ostrich head in the sanding uh, um it's very hard to just keep reminding oneself it's happening it is happening it is happening and there's a count voice now you're just watching too many videos on youtube or whatever it is right um but what was I saying? Oh, this relates to 
the need the express need here to connect what this people want from this meeting to connect to other souls and, and bodies people uh individuals who are seeing what you're seeing so that it, i mean last meeting actually i was thinking about spiritual warfare and I was saying if you meet other people who are engaged in spiritual warfare more than you are or even just as much as you are you're going to move forward on the you're going to start advancing on the battlefield more quickly because now you're a, a unit if there's three or four people six seven like here six then you're a platoon and then you're really moving forward so then the heat increases there's more and more attacks and so on but you're getting closer and closer to victory or death or, and or, you know the other side i guess you know, trying to get through an area a hostile territory in order to get free that's that's the the prison break you know, we're surrounded by forces that want to keep us in and the only way out is to go through as somebody put in the chat the only way out of hell is to go through hell um deeper into hell really it's uh because we why well, i won't linger on that um so yeah people connecting to the right sort of people so that the reality that Richard's saying is he's finds it constantly hard to remember is real uh, becomes more consistently real and and therefore the 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 energy to act increases because because really I mean if the things that we've been talking about and see, that everyone seems to believe here or let's say to have perceived here if you perceive correctly and it's true it doesn't really it doesn't it kind of doesn't make sense why you're not acting more uh decisively on it just why you're sort of sitting around and and and, and talking about it in a certain sense, it does make sense because the people express, well, what do you do? You don't want to just do act if you don't, if it's not clear. It is better not to act than to act rashly or stupidly, let's say, or prematurely. But in another sense, it doesn't add up because you're probably, all of you are probably doing lots of things that actually aren't helping you to get clarity. So lots of time and energy is going into pastimes that are incomplete denial of the thing that you you acknowledge that you perceive you're complicit you're, you're essentially like you're hearing rumors of the prison break but you're thinking about your next portion of porridge and whether you can get some extra condiments with it you know extra sugar on it and that that's where your attention keeps going you know, oh, well Porridge will be soon, you know, porridge will be coming soon. So you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check in about the prison break later. Anyway, so the people, this, uh, I don't know if it's a relevant time to mention this, I'm not sure it is actually, but, but I'll just say that the thing about having connections to people that you feel you can't save, that's always going to be a reality. I mean, of course, 
and saying, if you can save yourself, you think, well, I won't be able to save them. So maybe I shouldn't even try to save myself because I'll feel terrible about not saving them. You know, soldiers in war get survivor guilt and all that. Um, uh, but if you are going to save yourself to have at least some chance of saving those people, um, as I said, it involves connecting to other souls who are moving towards freedom, the exit, healthy lifestyles and all the rest of it. Um, and, in, and you only have so many connections actually that you can make and that you can nurture. So, so actually uncoupling connections from individuals who aren't supporting your vision, who aren't with you on the battlefield. I mean, if you think of that analogy, if you're on the battlefield and you're going, hey, mom, how's it over there? Well, you, you probably are going to get shot down pretty quickly. The only ones you need to, you have to refer to on the battlefield are the ones who are actually you're allied with and they're close by and you, you're sharing intelligence about what's going on. And, you know, or if you're, you know, it's like being part of a team, you don't check in with the audience. You can be aware of them. But you're not going, hey, mom, how am I doing? Right? You've just got to stay with the team and uh, you know, get to the victory line. So actually, there is a sticking point, what Rich is talking about, because it's even the attach the sentimental attachments to, to other people that we've known, or not even, but especially, are the things that will hold us back. Now, that, that, that does sound pretty ruthless, I'm aware. Um, but only because I'm hearing myself say it, like to me, and, and I don't usually say it because I don't feel there's a, a reason to say it. But uh, that, I mean, that's been my trajectory also. Like, uh, after Mexico, because I didn't cut off from those people, I just moved to another continent and before the internet and so on so and the kind of path i was on it did seem like it could take me anywhere really um but after that was when i chucked away my inheritance and went to morocco and that time i actually did tell people that's it you may not see me again i didn't tell them where i was going and so on etc so when i got to morocco it was beyond, you know, bawling my head off in the shower. I was just like, what now? This is just it. I don't have money. I don't have, I don't know anyone. I don't speak the language. I don't have a purpose. I don't have anywhere to go from here. It was complete. It was a zero. I was back to zero. But I guess this is, the, I'm going to make this the point. Um, actually, the horror and the distress of doing that was was in the you know the, the preambling that actually my god i'm going to do this getting a ticket saying goodbye to everybody one by one that wasn't horribly but it was hard um and then getting there but actually when i arrived in morocco the feeling was of being lifted up or raised up or supported by existence that like you made it my son you are here where you needed to be with nothing and nobody just just existence you and existence that's it that's all you have that's all you need now it did get hard again after that but the initial experience of arriving was 
was euphoria actually not crazy you know dissociative euphoria just a kind of massive sense of peace and well-being which kind of increased itself because I was like oh my god I thought this was going to be so terrible but something in me is actually rising up with all of this with all of this feeling of goodness and it was a you know it was an epiphany really a small epiphany that let me know and I never have forgotten that I have the resources to leave everything and everyone behind I'm actually in the process of doing something similar right now I said I wasn't going to talk the thing I said I wouldn't talk about um and uh and just move into the unknown alone right it's 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 everybody needs to have that awareness because what what do you think happens when you die you move into the total unknown with no one and nothing So all of this is kind of practice, you could say. You know, as I said, this you know, material survival is spiritual practice. After hearing this, you are interested in participating in the Landmade Man project for extraction from the satanic system and reinstallation in the organic matrix of the Garden of Earthly Delights of your body and your soul. You can find more information below in the show notes, or you can just contact me directly at Jason with you at protonmail.com. I'll die.